0: Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We are going to jump into week five of... Wisdom has anyone enjoyed? Well, I don't know if you enjoy this series, but has anyone been getting something from it? I know it's been challenging. Um, week one, we talked about having making better decisions and having fewer regrets, and we've been going through this series looking at some of the choices we make. Uh, our series verse comes from Proverbs 24 3 by wisdom. A house is built. We could put by wisdom, a marriage is built, a business is built, a relationship is built, your investments are built by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it's established. And last week, we started to address something pretty private in our lives, but something that Jesus addressed very public, which was money. And we we, we coined this phrase that God wants our money to have maximum impact but minimum stress on our lives. Maximum impact, minimum stress. And so last week, we talked about the treasure test. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 says, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steel. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll be honest, for years I read this the other way around. Where your heart will be where your, is where your treasure will be. Jesus didn't say that. He said wherever your treasure is, your heart moves towards it okay if your treasure is in your golf clubs your heart will drift towards the golf course okay I'm giving the golfers a hard time again Steve it's good that he's back so I've got someone to our hearts always follow where we place our treasure okay and so I want to talk this week on the treasure test part two And we've been looking at six clear tests. Six clear tests when understanding, handling money. Last week, if you missed it, you can catch up on YouTube. Last week, we looked at the ownership test. That was our first test. Our stuff belongs to God. Let's say this out loud. Our stuff belongs to God. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord and all its fullness. The ownership test. The second test we looked at was the stewardship test. We talked about acting our wage, setting a budget, declaring war on debt, saving, investing, and educating and understanding. So much great feedback from last week. Keep sending it through. We love to hear stories. It encourages the dream team, the staff, of changed lives. Few people sending me messages. They cut up their credit cards after the services last week. Declared war on debt. Twenty-four people signed up for the job course and the debt recovery courses across the church. Twenty-four brave, courageous people said, "I want to make a difference in this area," and so well done to everyone for not just hearing it but doing it. Now, if I could turn. If I could turn this into a three-month mandatory course for high school students, I would. Okay, that's why I've I've left the youth in today because we believe in you. I think it's fantastic that we teach the kids trigonometry. Okay, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Okay, but I do think this would also help. Okay? Nothing. I was a trigonometry A star student, so I know all about that. I've never studied economics, I've never studied investment, but I've learned some of the things I'm sharing last week and today from being around others who have and watching others, but more often than not, what I'm teaching today, I've learned the hard way. Who knows that the most expensive way to learn is your own mistakes. The cheapest way to learn in life is other people's mistakes. And I actually believe it's possible to live with little to no financial stress if we live by biblical principles. Now, that is something hard to swallow. I actually believe we can live with little or no financial stress if we follow the principles which are set out in Scripture. Because so much of the financial stress that we're under, you and I have put it on ourselves. So I want to tackle two more tests today. The generosity test and the why test. We're going to do two more. A blessed financial life, as we talked about last week, number one is it walks it walks on two legs. The first leg is the stewardship leg, stewarding well what God has given us. In fact, we've got that slide from last week, where God has placed all the resources in the world on this side, all the money, the resource in fact there is enough and more resource in the world to help everyone in the world. Okay, There is more than enough. God's not, not, God's not left us short. Okay? And then there, on the other side, there are many, many millions of people in need, both locally, nationally, and globally around our world. And what's in the middle is you and I. We are the vehicle that God uses to get the resources in the world to the people who need them the most. And a blessed life walks on two legs... Number one, it walks on good stewardship. But secondly, it walks on generosity. Generosity. Rick Warren, who's a hero of mine, he said that a Christian is defined by three major hallmarks. I want to share these with you. Number one, integrity. Integrity is who we are when nobody is watching. Hallmark number two is humility. Who we are when everybody's watching. And thirdly, Rick said, the third hallmark of a Christian is generosity. Who I am with what I am watching. Generosity. Generosity, if you said what, what is it by definition, it, the, I, I, I put this together, is to give more than what is required. If you could define what it is, is to give above and beyond what's actually required. One of the myths that we can buy into when we talk about generosity is generous people are born generous. I don't believe anybody is born generous. I believe you can be born again generous, but I believe we're actually born tight, selfish. You might disagree. Let me challenge you back. My son's first word, sadly, wasn't dada or mama. Guess what it was? Mine. First word Justice Murray ever said was mine. Every time I, it was mine, he always wanted it back. That was his first word. So I think our default without Christ is self-centeredness, selfishness. And it's actually much easier And trust me, I've proven this, it's much easier to go through life selfish than generous. And generosity is never a destination, it's a journey. It's a journey we're all on. Because we can always, whoever you are, we can always be a little bit more generous. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you say, John, well I hear what you're saying and I totally agree and I promise you I would be so much more generous if I was a millionaire. If I was just a millionaire, I would be the most generous person possible. No, you wouldn't. It's true. If we can't start with what we have, we'll never be generous. We got taught this at Bible school. You'll never buy someone a car and you can buy them a coffee. We were taught about trying to be generous and, everyone, and you know, we all want you to know, buy someone a house, buy someone a car, bless someone. But unless you can actually let go of a coffee, the chances are you'll never be able to let go. So actually generosity isn't about how much you have, it's about letting go of what you do have. And also I just want to clarify, I'm not just talking about money today. Generosity isn't just about money. Generosity is about time, it's about energy, it's about our words. I walked into church after a very late night and this lovely lady just flung her arms around me and gave me a big hug. That was so generous. Who knows, sometimes we just got to give what we do have. She didn't need to give me a hug. What was standard would be good morning. But above and beyond was, can I give you a hug? You know what? We can be stingy in our worship. Some of us were in worship today like this. Don't like that song. That's not my type of song, that song. I, don't, I can't get all the words. They're too quick, too loud. It's far too loud in here. And when the smoke machine kicks in, oh, why do we have to have smoke in jail? And you can be a tight worshipper. And some of you were jumping up and down. You were clapping your hands. You were raising your arms because you were generous with your... So this isn't just about money today. This is about being generous in every area of our lives. Time. We can be generous with our time. Giving away what's the most precious thing to us isn't actually our money, it's our time. Now, there are over 500 promises related to generosity and giving in the Bible. So before we read one of those, who would like to be more generous? The rest of you? Online? Generous 11.25. Sorry, not generous 11.25. That would be a good book. All right, generous chapter 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous person will prosper. I think we'd all like to say we want to prosper. Most people have a level of generosity, but the challenge for us is never to settle, but to grow. And so I want to just share, first of all, I want to share... Our level of generosity is determined by four areas of our lives, four factors, just to help us understand why some of us struggle with generosity, why some of us don't. But this this will help us understand why we are where we're at. And wherever we're all at today, we're all on a journey, God can nudge us just a little bit further forward in this area. Number one, our level of generosity is determined by our view of God. Psalm 23, verse 1, which we unpacked a few weeks ago, David, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Poverty and generosity are rooted in a person's core beliefs of God. Who is my shepherd? David declares, the Lord is my shepherd. In the series, we talked about shepherds guide, shepherds provide. If the Lord is our shepherd, he will provide when we let go. It's our view of God. The second determining factor is, uh, is our confession of God. He goes on to say... I shall lack no good thing. There's two ways we can go through life with a spirit of poverty or a spirit of provision. We have to daily renew our minds when it comes to generosity. You might leave today feeling really generous and feel like you're going to do something and help someone. But tomorrow fear can kick in and so you daily have to renew, first of all, your view of God and then your confession of God. The basic message of poverty is this, if you take a note. The basic message of poverty is there is never enough. The message of Jesus is that there is more than enough. There is a battle which rages every day in our lives between the poverty and provision. They go head to head. That's why we declared over our building six years ago... Paid in full. Why? Because we are confessing our view of God that there is more than enough. More than enough. My God, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply not all my wants, all my needs. Not according to my my source, but according to the ample provision of heaven. And the enemy wants to keep us small with this light. There is never enough. There's never enough. And if we buy into the lie of there is never enough, we will never let go of what we have. The number one reason that people don't let go is not because they don't want to let go, because I think people's motives are actually really good. Is we're scared if we're generous, there won't be enough. So we have to choose which channel we tune into because there's two channels that are fighting for our attention every day. There's the channel of there is never enough and there's the channel of there is more than enough. We've got to choose which channel we choose into for our businesses. We've got to choose which channel we tune into. My channel determines my day. This is why spending time with God in the morning before you go out to work, you are tuning in to the channel, not just of God your protector, you're tuning in that God is my provider. He will take care of my family, my children, my needs, and if I am prompted to be generous in a certain area of my life, God, you will fill the gap that I've just given away. The third area that our generosity is determined by our view of God, our confession of God, and number three is our trust in God. I trust in God. David says in Psalm 23, 6, he says, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All the days. David declares, I choose to trust in God's goodness. Trust is the bedrock of generosity. You can never be generous if you don't have trust in God. When we first got married, Chantal and I, one of our first decisions we made was to tithe. Was to tithe. Now, I'm not using tithing as an illustration of generosity, because your tithe is not generosity, it's obedience. So if you don't tithe, it's actually disobedience. Remember, generosity is above what's required. Sorry if this is hard-hitting. I'll say it again. Generosity is above what is required. The tithe is... Is, is, so it's obedience. so we, so we, we, we at, the, at the start it was like this was a real trust exercise when you first get married you make a decision wow am I going to tithe and we made a decision week one of our marriage that we were going to tithe and at the start but you know now that's just natural tithing is just it's, it's, we don't even think about it it's just what we do as a family and God has never let me down God says to me uh, people say to me why do you tithe? Because it works. Because it works. It it, it works. 90% of my income goes further than 100. Well, how does that work? I don't know. I'm not God. He's the economist. He's my shepherd. So we give God, out of obedience to his word, what belongs to him, and he takes care of the rest. So how we steward, as we talked about last week, how we steward our money, exposes where and who we put our trust. It really does, it exposes. I get asked two questions as a pastor more than any other question. The first, part, the first question is, why do bad things happen to good people? And that sometimes takes an hour or so. I haven't actually got the right answer to that one. Um, the second question people ask me all the time is, should I play the lottery? Says the man who's building a new church. I need some water. No, 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 no. Not today. Not today. No, 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 no. I soaked a new convert two weeks ago, a newborn baby last week. I'm not going to do that this week. No, 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 no. So people ask me, should I, John, should I play the lottery? Good question. I don't think the answer is a yes or no. I think the answer is where do we put our trust? If we are playing the lottery to win, we are actually telling God that we can't trust him, that he'll provide all our needs. Because our trust is in Camelot, or whoever runs the lottery, I have no idea. Our trust is in whoever does that, because we're saying, God, I can't get through, so I'm going to play the lottery because I actually don't believe you can provide for me. So the, the lottery and gambling is actually a trust issue. By the way, if you win the lottery, call me. So should I gamble? Shouldn't I gamble? Well, for Chantal and I, my trust is not in a horse. My trust is in the maker of heaven and earth. So my trust is God. If you got me to this, you'll get me through this. God, if this is your will, you will provide. So I actually think all these bigger issues that sometimes Christians we fight about, it's like simply just a trust issue of where we put our trust. Is this helping anyone? Our level of generosity, last one, our level of generosity is determined by number four, is our associations. Our associations. David said at the end, Psalm 23, verse 6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. David's saying, I love being around like-minded people. I think we all like being around generous people because there's a chance you might get blessed but I think there's something greater about being around generous people is their generosity can rub off on you because when I'm around generous people I become more generous David uh, Solomon said this some um, Proverbs 27:17: as iron sharpens iron so a man's sharpens the countenance of his friend if you want a 101 on how to become tight and stingy spend too much time on your own and too much time with stingy people and you will become tight and stingy. Scriptures say, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Come on church, we wanna be big people, people who are generous people. We wanna be people who can enlarge our giving. Now I wanna share with you, you might say, okay, that's the, that's the default of generosity. I want to share four outcomes of what happens when you become generous. Four outcomes. There's four things the Bible says that happen in our lives when we become generous. Number one is this. Generosity builds a better life. Jesus said it in Acts 20:35. He said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it is better. It is better to give than to receive. You will live a better life. Who wants to live a better life than you have right now? Essentially, Jesus is saying, if you want to live a better life, live a lifestyle of generosity. How do I know that? Because I have never met an unhappy, generous person. Think about it. Think about the generous people you have in your life, and they're always happy people. Because happy people realize that when you're generous, you live a better life. So if you are not happy with the state of your life right now, think about your level of generosity. All right, let's put it this way. I'm gonna come around and give you all one million pounds right now. You excited? But are you really excited? There's two conditions. You're gonna love the first one. The first condition, you've got to spend it all in the first 12 months. Anyone up for that one? 12 hours, some of you. That's the first condition. The second condition, young adults, is this. You've got to spend it all on other people. Do you know how happy that scenario makes me feel? Anyone else, when you've said that, it was like, if I said, here's a million pound, it can't benefit yourself or those close to you, you've got to spend that on blessing people in need around you. Who would have the year of their life? Come on, who'd be honest, who would like, that would be like, you could go around with a million and just bless people. Okay, then think about this. Why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? I'm not saying you've got a million pounds, but you might have a hundred pounds this year. You might have a thousand pounds, you might have 50 pounds, you might have 10 pounds, but we all have something we can give away and be generous with and imagine the feeling of when we let go, The happiness it feels. Who loves Christmas? I love Christmas. My daughter told me how many days it was yesterday on the way back from London. (laughs) To the minute. But you know the best part about Christmas? It's the giving. It's the smiles. It's the moment those presents are unwrapped and you see what's been given. Because the Bible says, it is better. Life is better. Families are better. Marriages are better. Churches are better when we give rather than receive. You know, the happiest Sunday of this church is Half the House Sunday, which we receive in October. It's our miracle offering which we receive once a year. You know why it's happy? Because when you let go, you then fully have to trust God because you're giving him something that you naturally can't get back in a hurry. And so your trust goes into God. And when you're fully reliant on God... The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. All right, number two, generosity. Second outcome is this: generosity chokes out greed. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-six: the greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. Enough is never enough. Human nature always wants more. The most generous person I ever knew was my own father. And he never had an ounce of greed in his life. Because generosity chokes out greed. And the moment we feel greedy, the best thing we can do is give something away. The moment we hold on to it, it takes hold of us. My dad choked greed with generosity. Outcome number three, when it comes to generosity's outcome, outcome number three is generosity opens doors. We just read this, Proverbs 11:24. but the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stinty gets smaller and smaller. God wants doors to open in our life. Now, if you take your notes, write this down. influence is not determined by how much I have in life, but how much I give away influence. Now I am not talking about fame. Famous. Fame is how many people know who you are. I'm talking about influence. I met a young person a while ago. I said, what do you want to do when you graduate from school? He said this, be famous. Fantastic. What do you want to be famous in? Don't care. Just want to be famous. Because of the egotistic world of social media we now live in, everybody just wants to be famous. Everybody wants more likes, more followers. I'll tell you what, the last six months has been heaven, being off social media. Because you just don't care. You're not worried. Because it's no longer about being trying to be famous, it's about how can God use me to be influential, to be a blessing to help others. Fame is how many people know who you are, but influence is helping how many people and reaching them. The story of this church is that every week, the influence of what God is doing here is growing. A couple of weeks ago, we were able to send Pastor Yuri and the team in the church in Kiev, in Ukraine, a, a financial gift, a few thousand pounds. They reached out saying some of their young people and kids wanted to go on a summer camp. They've been cooped up for the last nearly two years since the start of the war. And they've got an opportunity to do a summer camp out in the country. And they said, could the church help? And we said, of course, we can do something. As a church, we rallied together. We were able to send some money a couple of weeks ago. And Pastor Yuri sent this to us this week. Hello, Pastor John and Chantal. Hope you're well. Just received money from you guys. Thank you so much. Next week, our youth summer camp starts, and this is awesome that we have more possibilities to bless those young people who didn't have finances to come to the camp. I'm sure it's going to be a blessing for them to come and experience God's presence. I want to tell you again that I'm amazed by your church's generosity and your consistency and big heart towards us. Thank you one more time. I'm praying that one day we'll be able to do something for you too, Pastor Uri. Come on, generosity. 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 The generosity of this church has unlocked doors for young people we will probably never meet this side of eternity to experience the power of God in that war-torn region. We're becoming known as a church which loves to help people, a church that feeds people, a church that gives people a chance, a church that's been called a house of hope for so many here. And when you choose to live a life of generosity, others get to live a life of opportunity. When you choose, I'm going to live a life of generosity, what you do is open the doors of opportunity for others who would otherwise, it would have remained closed. The fourth outcome of a generous life is generosity is a byproduct of spending time with Jesus. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more like him we become. The law of association says you become like those you mix with. Guess what? If you mix with Jesus, he's the giver of life. He's the giver of all things. I've proven this in my time. If I miss my time with Jesus, Jesus, I tend to hold on to things. The more time I spend with him, the more giving I become because Jesus, by nature, he is a giver. And the outcome number five, and I'm going to move on real quick, but generosity, it can move from being an obligation to a privilege. Often in life, we feel obligated to give. Oh, we have to, we have to. But actually, God wants to move it from an obligation to a privilege. It is a privilege to give to God. In a few moments when we give, it's not an obligation. It's actually a privilege. I saw this when I was 17 years old. I was in... um, a little place called Gindri in Nigeria, teaching at a boys secondary school. And I was out there with a friend, Graham Hollinger. And we were in, this, in, in, in the school. And the first weekend, we got invited to this church. And we, we're sitting there during the offering moment. And people were bringing chickens and hens. And, you know, there was, there, there was goats outside. And people were bringing all sorts for the offering moment. I mean, don't try that here, okay? Don't you be bringing <laughs> pigs and stuff to church. We won't know what to do with them. But they were bringing all sorts of livestock to church. And We were sitting there, and the offering bucket came past, and it was a bucket. its like a plant pot, and it was coming through. And I saw this little kid who I'd been helping um, do PE lessons with. He gets a piece of his hair, and he rips it out, puts it in the bucket. And then the child next to him did it. I panicked. I turned to the teacher, Mr. Mandungs. I said, Mr. Mandungs, there's something going wrong. I don't know if this child's okay. He said, no, no, no. He said, calm down, Mr. Norman. He said, they have nothing they can give, so they have to give something. He said, it's their duty. It's their delight to give to God. Wow. I stood there as a young man. I thought, wow, they don't see this. This is an obligation. They want to give something, and that is literally all they have. You see, we're not talking, this, this isn't about money today. This is actually about our hearts. When Jesus was talking about the treasure, he was actually talking about our hearts he was talking to the Pharisees actually about their hearts see this is ultimately about a heart issue when it's tithing when it's offering generous moments compassion kids actually it all comes back to our hearts but the more time I spend in his presence the more I become a giver and God wants to move us today from being obligated to actually it's a privilege to serve Jesus you know when it comes to the offering today what a privilege it is What a privilege it is. Can we have that slide back up today, please? What a privilege it is to move the resources that we've been given from this side. What a privilege it is to be able to bless those in our city. What a privilege it is to be able to stock shelves in the supermarket this week. What a privilege it is to create this atmosphere for people to come. We're not giving today out of obligation. We're giving because it is a privilege to give to the one who gave the greatest gift on all to us, which was Jesus. Treasure test three, the generosity test. And I'm going to drop one more treasure test on us. Number four is this. It is the why test. The why test. God wants to bless you. Often we struggle with this because why? Why would God want to bless us? Maybe maybe we haven't been good stewards. Maybe we haven't been generous. Maybe... And we've done some things we shouldn't. And so the question is, why would God continually want to bless us? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God makes a promise to Abraham. Or Abraham. He says, Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I'll show you. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. I will bless you, Ben. I will bless you, Patricia. I will bless you, Dave. I will bless you, Nick. I will bless you and make your name great, And you shall be a blessing. God wants to bless us like Abraham. Why? So that we can be a blessing to others. We cannot help people if we're flat broke. If you're broke, you can't help people. If you're in debt, you can't help people. And this is why leg one is stewardship. If we can get the stewardship in order, guess what? It helps leg two so that we can be generous with what we have. So I want to share with you real quickly on the why test two reasons why God wants to bless you. Two reasons. The first one sounds really elementary, but he loves you. Like every parent, we love our children and we want to see them blessed. And there is nothing wrong with enjoying the blessing of God. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a nice holiday, driving a dependable car, going to a nice restaurant for dinner, owning your own home. There is nothing wrong in experiencing the blessing of God. The enemy wants us to believe this lie, you've got to give it all up for Christ. That's not true, okay? God wants to bless you, okay? The enemy is trying to speak condemnation over us all the time. There's nothing wrong with wanting something nice for you and your family. And as Brits, we're terrible at playing down the blessing of God. Someone pays us a compliment. Oh, what a lovely, Oh, what a lovely new dress. Oh, well, it was really cheap. I got it in the sale. It was like 100% off. They gave it to me. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, what a beautiful new car you get. Well, I've, it's, not, it's, it's a work vehicle. They gave it. They forced me to drive this Tesla. They're just forcing me to do it. I just borrowed it. you know. We, we, we love to turn down the blessing of God. I'm not talking about being over the top. I'm talking about God loves to... Do you love it when you have able to bless your children? Yes. I love being able to bless my children. And I take pleasure when my children are enjoying what we've saved and stewarded them for them to enjoy. But why would God want to bless me when there's so much need in the world has anyone been challenged with that why would god want you to drive a nice car or live in a nice home or enjoy a nice dinner out when there's homeless people on the street because sometimes we could live in condemnation so i want to help you with this a little bit today i was working with an injured footballer at norwich city i'm a i'm a i'm the chaplain there and a while ago i was working and i said to him i said would, would would you, would you let me pray for you?" And he said, no. <laughs> Most people say, yeah, he said, no. I said, I said, that's fine, I said, but could you just let me know why you don't want me to pray for you? I'm just fascinated. It could be I'm an atheist, it could be I don't believe, I just don't want you to pray. There's 101 reasons. And he said this, he said, why would God care for me when there's so much need in the world? why would God care about the ligaments in my leg when there's people starving, dying, in terrible poverty? I think that's a really great answer. And I said this, I said, because you're his child. You're his child. God wants to bless you because you're his child. And by the way, the child in poverty is God's child. But don't miss the blessing of God and don't play down the blessing of God because you're making yourself feel like you're not God's child. You're still his child. So enjoy the blessing of God. Enjoy the blessing of heaven. Walk in it. Enjoy it. Love it. Soak in it. God wants to bless you because you're his child. He loves us. The second reason that God wants to bless us is this. He needs us. This is why he needs us. There's a prayer I've prayed since Bible school pretty much every day of my life and I changed two of the words in the, in the scripture. But it's called the Prayer of Jabez. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And it says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. I take Jabez's name out, I put my own one in there. And John called on the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And God granted John and Jabez and Sharon what he requested. Can I put that another way? Jabez prays to be blessed. How cool is that? How cool is that? Jabez, he actually prays, God, I want you to bless me. Because so many of our prayers are like, God bless the nations. God bless the ministry. God bless the pastor. Keep that one coming. God bless your children. And Jabez comes around and says, no, 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 I'm going to just, I want to be blessed. Because I realize if you can bless me, I can enlarge my territory. You'll keep me from evil. We're going to be blessed, I believe, with our new building. Not not because we want to be known with the church of the big building, because I want to be known as the church that can continue to bless, enlarge our territory. We're about to enlarge our territory in seven or eight months. You know, the enemy has warped our view of finance. If anyone talks about being blessed, asking God to bless us, that's the prosperity gospel. Someone will send me an email. I can guarantee it off the back of this because we we don't like the fact that God wants to bless us. No, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your socks off. And once your socks are off, you're able to bless those around you. You're able to bless those in your city. We are his children. It's not wrong to be blessed. It's not wrong to live blessed. It's blessing. I love what Jabez said. He didn't stop there either. He says, "He Oh, that you would bless me. And then he sticks a big exclamation mark. When he says, Indeed, if you're listening, God. Indeed. Beyond blessed. Beyond blessed. God wants you to live. You know, Chantal and I, we have. We have discovered from an early age what it is to live beyond blessed, yes. beyond blessed. Three times in my life people have bought me a car, three times. Three times. When I was 17, mum and dad went away to the Lake District, they lent me their Red Mark Ford Escort, took it for a, a pass test, they gave me the car, they'll remember this, they went to the Lake District on holiday, left Joy and I in the house and uh, parked the car up in the carport left the keys in the ignition. I mean, I don't even know what I was thinking. Someone stole the car. True story, hey, Mum? Stole the car, stole my college bag. And when I called the police, I said, the bad news is the house keys, the house keys are on the key with the car. So anyway, a couple of nights later, someone's trying the door. Anyway, there was a load of girls, including my sister staying and they screamed and this guy ran for his life, let me tell you. (laughs) Ran for his life. Anyway, someone found out about that story and bought me a car. Bought me a car at 17 years old, bought me a Renault Clio. And God said this, he said this, he said, I'm giving you this car, I'm still the owner, but I want you to use it to get young people to the youth group on a Friday night. Then we moved to Australia, we had no money. And I prayed that prayer, the prayer of Jabez, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And someone gave me a car to get to and from college. with. gave me a car within the church. And God said this, I'll give you a car, but I want you to use it to get to students, to school, to college every day. And that's what we did. Then we moved back from South Africa to the UK. We were in America and someone bought us a car. Three times in my life I've experienced God. Now I've said that because I want to challenge you on how you're thinking. I wanna challenge you, God can bless you indeed. God wants to bless you, God wants to bless you, God wants to bless you, God wants to bless your socks off. Now some of you, when I said that, you were like, well, God's never blessed me like that, I've never been bought a car, how come he gets all the blessing? I was reading your mail. We gotta change our view of God, our confession of God, and our trust in God. God will supply all your needs. That car was not a want, it was a need to help people. God wants to bless you to bless others. Now, I'm expecting this week God to bless you. I thank God for the three people who bought those cars. And here's the thing about all three people. They had stewarded well so that they could bless well. If we steward well, we can bless well. So we give. And God is calling us as a church to be givers. And we're not giving because we want anything in return. In fact, anytime time I've given expecting return, I've been disappointed. We give because we first love God. I believe today that God supernaturally wants to do something in this era of our lives but it begins by number one is stewarding what God's given as well number two being generous number three understanding of the why God wants to bless us I want us to stand God wants us right now to ask this question Holy Spirit watching online in the room Holy Spirit what are you saying to me Maybe it's with the generosity. God's challenging us to let go. Life is, life is actually better, and we're actually happier when we let go. When we hold on, we get sad. It's uncomfortable, but God is challenging us today to let go, let go of something this week. I don't get this right at all. We were in the city recently, and my daughter... We walked past a homeless man and I just walked past exactly like the Good Samaritan. My, my daughter came up to me. She said, Daddy, we've got to do something for that man. And I just walked past in the rush of life. So I don't, get, I don't have all this together at all. I'm constantly being tested and challenged in this area of generosity. I'm being challenged. I was challenged even in our small group in our home a few weeks ago. We were talking around generosity and stewardship. And one of the One of the guys in our group was was Kieran and Madeline. They were in the first service and he's a real generous guy, and he said that he was walking through the streets of Norwich. This is a crazy story. And he saw a parking attendant sticking a parking ticket on a car. And the Holy Spirit said to him, Go and pay that ticket. And he's thinking, hang on what do you mean I don't know who that is they've parked on a, wherever it was a yellow line double yellow line they deserve that and Holy Spirit said go pay the ticket go pay the ticket so he walked over and said to the parking tenant gotta pay that ticket I mean I'm telling you that parking attendant was probably as in shock as the person <laughs> he paid it like 40 quid probably anyway a few moments later a lady came up a lady came up to him with a single mum with a child could not believe so I was just rushing, I can't believe I got a ticket. I can't believe that somebody, a stranger, it was the spirit of God. Sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit asks you to do something ridiculous so God can show up in the miraculous. Now I know nothing any more about that story as much as Kieran does, apart from that lady, will remember that moment for the rest of her life and I know that that moment will lead to another moment which can lead to another moment to that person standing before Almighty God one day never underestimate the coffee never underestimate that act of generosity that hug never underestimate that thing sometimes you're thinking it's just me is that me you're asking me to do something and God's like that's the Holy Spirit He's literally nudging you it's, by the way, it starts with a nudge and it can end up with a kick. It literally it starts with a nudge and then it's another one, then it's another one, and it's like bang. For some of you, this was a kick today. For others of you, it was a nudge. But I know that the Holy Spirit is moving on us today. Can you imagine if we all did something this week? Imagine if it wasn't just a one-off message, but it became a lifestyle that the members of Soul Church... The believers, the followers of Jesus in this church were looking, actively looking this week for ways that we could be generous with the resources that God's given us. Maybe God's given you a car and you can fill that car with people and bring them to church. Wow, that's being generous. Maybe this week, that's okay. It's just the spirit of God. If you wonder why that lady's crying, it's the spirit of God. It's just touching her. It's the spirit of God. Don't be scared. It's the spirit of God. It's what God does, He gets to our hearts. Gets to our hearts. Maybe this week God is asking you to do something extravagant. Maybe it's the obedience court where God is saying, God, God is challenging saying it's time to start tithing. You stopped your tithe. You stopped your tithe because of tough times, and God's saying, Would you test me? Just try me in this, I'll help you. I can help you. It's a trust issue. I think somewhere along today, we've all been challenged by this, to let go of something, whether it's our tithe, our time, a hug, a coffee. But today, if you've been challenged, I'm about to put my, both my hands up. I want you to lift your hands right now, if you've been challenged today. All the resources in the world, God wants us to be channels, to be vehicles, to get it to those who need them the most. This is why Rick Warren said, he said that generosity is the hallmark of a Christ follower. It's who we are. We're generous people. So Father God, we lift up our hands right now as a sign of surrender to you. And we know that there's, this is a really difficult area to speak about. Because some of us, we're so good at stewarding our money. We're good and we know where every penny is. And we, we dot our I's and cross our T's on our accounts. But God, today is a reminder that you've called us to to step out and be generous. Why? Because you love us. You love us so much. And today, maybe our hope and our trust has been in the wrong areas. Maybe we're trying to get rich through different things. But today, we're reminded that the lottery is not our God, that you are our God. We don't have to put our hope and our trust in a scratch card. Our hope and our trust in a horse fiber. Our hope and our trust is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not cause our foot to be moved. You will keep us, Father God. So Father, right now, we acknowledge this area of our lives and we ask you for help. We ask you, Father, for strength and for courage to let go, whether that's with our tithe, whether that's with our offering. Lord, wherever that is, Father, you would give us the strength to let go as we move forward in this area. And we thank you that as we do that, many, many people's lives are going to be blessed. You've blessed us so we can be a blessing. Others. God, we want you to bless us. I want you to pray that prayer. God, I want you to bless me. I want you to say that again. God, I want you to bless me. And bless me indeed. Indeed. Bless my socks off. Bless my family. Bless my children. Bless my health. Come on, let's believe it by faith in Jesus this day. Come on, let's clap our hands. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you, Lord. Bless me indeed, bless me indeed. Let me pray right now for every business owner. If you're a business owner in this room, I wanna pray for you Just slip up your hand to every business owner. Someone's got their hand up near you, would you just place your hand on their shoulder? I wanna pray for business owners. God bless my business so I can be a blessing to others. God bless my business. Father, I pray for every startup in the house. I pray for every business. Lord, I pray for for even those businesses that are still in dream form. Lord, I pray that you would begin to bless and pour out such a blessing that they're unable to contain the increase. I pray that you'd give them wisdom as they steward, wisdom as they invest, wisdom as they advance. Lord, I pray that you would bring in the right partnerships, contracts, Father, supplies. Lord, I thank you that my God shall supply. I speak the word supply over every business in our church, Father. I speak abundance and overflow in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I see it raining on your business. I see it raining down on your business. Receive it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Never done this before. Can we just get in twos and threes in this room? Just turn around and just pray for each other. I just want you to pray blessing over each other. We're a family today. I know this, you you don't need to know the person. You don't have to do this, but would you just pray for those around you? Come on, let's just get in little huddles. Let's pray blessing. Come on on stage, worship team, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Blessing of God. Blessing. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord fill you with his peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. The old church on the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with us, that you would keep us from evil, that we may not cause pain. And God blessed you. And God granted you what you requested. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's say it together. Amen. Amen. Come on, receive His blessing. The blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing this out. Receive his grace, receive his favor. Receive it by faith right now. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of God is here right now. He's moving. He's moving. Receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Blessing is coming over your home. Come on, blessing is coming. Blessing is coming over your family. If you can speak in the tongues of the Spirit, if you can speak in those other tongues, just begin to let it out right now. Hallelujah, open your mouth, the Bible says, and you shall be filled. Living water coming over us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, you're worthy. Right now, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe a friend brought you along today, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, but you've never actually made a decision to receive Jesus as your personal Savior today you say I feel God's presence something's different in the atmosphere it's Jesus he's here Jesus is here right now you can receive his love his forgiveness maybe you've made a lot of mistakes you're in great company we all have but God's grace his forgiveness covers our mistakes it covers our past I'd love to give you an opportunity to receive the love of Jesus I'm simply going to count to three you say John include me in that prayer. All I want to do is pray a simple prayer. Say, pray for me. Would you just slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I could see it? One, he loves you. Two, just slip up that hand right now. Three. Just say pray for me. All over this room. Say that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Lady here. God bless you. Anyone else? Amazing. Alright, you could be I see that hand. Well done. Good on you. Right at the back. Thank you. Let's say this prayer out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sins and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Can we congratulate everyone who said that prayer? If you're online watching, please let us know that you made that decision. Just write in the chat, I have decided. If you're in the room, we've got a gift for you. It's Mark's Gospel. It's a Bible. Our team are going to be out in the foyers afterwards. So please take hold of this Bible. And please, the next step is to come back to church. Chat with one of the team. And we'd love to host you on one of our Next Steps Bible courses coming up in a few weeks' time.